Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton with Rowe. Ready on this Thursday edition. Big show plan. Chuck Pagano, former Colts head coach, defensive coordinator for the Ravens and Bears. He'll be with us coming up in 20 minutes. Trey Wallace will check in from Outkick.com. A lot to discuss across the Southeastern Conference. John McClain recaps all of the big headlines from the NFL owners meetings. And Kurt Schilling will be in studio to break down all the news and preview the upcoming Major League Baseball season. Opening day is here. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Fired up. Baseball has arrived. Ready for a big show with a great guest list today. Your Braves up big so far. Four to one last I checked. Yep, still. Unfortunately, uh, injuries the storyline today, and that is not uh, – my Braves are not immune because Max Fried has exited with – Hamstring discomfort? Hamst- yeah, discomfort. Discomfort. So hopefully hopefully precautionary, but I'm not encouraged. Um, well, the Mets fans are really not feeling encouraged. worse. Yes, uh, Justin Verlander was scheduled to make the start today for the Mets. He has been placed on the injured list. He has a terrace major strain. What that is, that's a muscle in the upper back shoulder area. And he's been placed on the injured list. He will continue to throw according to the New York Mets. So that's the good news. The bad news is their ace is not making the start for the New York Mets to begin the season as Steve Cohen has the $500 million payroll. And Verlander, after missing the 2021 season with Tommy John surgery, came back one Cy Young and did that with the Astros a year ago. Uh, the Mets have all of the expectations. But Chad, Aaron Judge, across the city, steps up to the plate, Second pitch of the at-bat in the bottom of the first against the San Francisco Giants, the team that he nearly signed with this offseason. He hits a homer on his first swing of the season. Center field to give the Yankees a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first. Pretty, That's how you do it. Uh, pretty, let me put it this way. Standard Yankees start mixed with a standard Mets start, if you're in that city. Yes. This is very, very Mets. When Edwin Diaz went down celebrating and tore his patellar tendon because he was celebrating a strikeout in the World Baseball Classic, I thought, man, only the Mets would this happen to when they're spending a record amount on their, on their team. And then you get the news about Justin Verlander and the Terrace Major injury, and you think only the Mets. And then you look at the Yankees with all of that success and all those world championships – And you see that in the first at-bat with Aaron Judge as the captain of the New York Yankees, in his first swing, he goes yard. This is a, with all due respect to Mets fans and Yankees fans for that matter, this in that city is a very Yankees start versus a very Mets start so far. And Aaron Judge, phenomenal start already in the great 62 homers last year. Aaron Boone, the manager for the Yankees, admitted to the media yesterday ahead of the opening day start Hey, uh, I did tell Judge yesterday, especially with the Giants being in town, one of my lowest, darkest places this winter was when I had to consider 
that he would be in a Giants uniform in the top of the first at Yankee Stadium on opening day. And, of course, that didn't happen. The Yankees ended up paying him, and rightfully so. They kept him, and they should have. But, Chad, can you imagine if he did this on opening day on the second pitch as a Giant instead of a Yankee back in New York on opening day? Would have been tough to stomach for those Yankees fans that watched watched him walk away. There's... Look, there is There's a, a storyline to this. That, uh, it's, it's poetic in a way that he does this after the offseason we went through. And I'll, I'll go back to this. I, I think so many athletes, too often, they get caught being too short-sighted. And what I mean by short-sighted is we're talking about record amounts of money in Major League Baseball. Yeah. All of these guys are filthy, filthy rich. So what's a couple million dollars here and there? You know, to us, you know, the every, everyday average working stiffs out there, you're saying, well, it's a couple million dollars. That, that's a lot, right? It's really not in the grand scheme of things when you think about the constant ability to create revenue for yourself and profit and maximize on your, we say it in college sports all the time, your name, image, and likeness. Yeah. If you were Aaron Judge, lifelong New York Yankee, Yankee great, as opposed to Aaron Judge, who had a great year with the Yankees, broke some records, and then bolted to San Francisco because they paid a little bit more money than the Yankees. I think the ability to market off yourself and make more money for the rest of your life in New York with the Yankees far outweighs the opportunity of signing for more money in the short term somewhere else. So I'm, I'm happy for the game of baseball that Aaron Judge is in New York with the Yankees, and today's start is another example of that. All of the teams... They're played today on opening day. First time since the 60s we've seen this happen. Chad, I'm, I'm the average baseball fan that was all in and then tuned out, and now I'm tuning in to the team I like to follow, the Baltimore Orioles. But opening day is here, and I think we, we must acknowledge it is not America's pastime currently, and it's because the fans care more about their team than they do the league. That's on the league. And I'm hoping that with the rules changes, which are, you know, they want to point to as the reason why viewership is down and there's lack of interest and whatever. It's more about the connection you have with the team you follow versus the connection you have with any other team in Major League Baseball. And I want to get back to that. I hope they can get back to that. I'm the average fan that is begging to be captivated. But I'm here to tell you, like, I can keep up with the Orioles. They're tied 1-1 right now with the Red Sox early, fourth inning, I believe. Point being, I need a reason to tune in to any other game I may flip past or stream on the laptop. And Major League Baseball has never done that for me in the streaming era. I need a reason. I need individuals. I need to love a player, love a team, or love to hate that player or love to hate that team. And Red Sox-Yankees is pretty much it. And even those guys are swapping at, at, you know, handshakes and fist bumps and, you know, as we like to say, those guys don't want to fight. And I'm not about the brawls, but I am about, you know, the animosity. I want to get back to that era. The Kurt Schilling era of Major League Baseball is long gone. And in many ways, the other leagues are the same exact way. Jersey swapping, laughing, you know, dabbing it up after a loss. It's not for me. And MLB, they frown upon the behind-the-scenes access. 
they frown upon Trevor Bauer doing a weekly or twice a week vlog on YouTube with the cameras rolling behind the scenes because he's giving the fans all access. That was the last time I really felt like I was getting the truth behind the scenes. It was from Bauer. He would get a fine. He'd go through it. He'd tell you exactly how the players felt about it. There were players in the clubhouse that would you know, hide their face because they didn't want to be on camera with Bauer filming everywhere he went. I want Major League Baseball to embrace that, not frown upon that. And with all the publicity they're going to get with every team playing today, I mean, if you're you know, on edge about breaking news in Major League Baseball, Verlander not making a start and being placed on IL prior to even throwing a pitch in the season, if that's the biggest news of the day, that to me tells me it's a, it, it is a daily sport, but it's something that, well, he'll be back in a couple months at worst. He'll be back in a couple weeks at best. We'll see him pitch later. And if he's on the screen, if I'm flipping through and it's not my team, if it's not your team, Chad, if it's not the Braves, are you stopping to watch? The ratings say no. I want to get back to saying yes. And from a just a, a I think, media perspective of Major League Baseball and how it's covered now, it's much more of a broad brush perspective on it. And what I mean by that is baseball has become more of a big conversation on a huge issue like a pitch clock and a rule change, right? Or the bases being bigger. And it's less getting into the weeds. With what you see in the world of football now is you can get into the weeds of Lamar Jackson's contract, and that's going to bring in a broad audience of people that are going to keep eyes on that. Baseball is more feeling, right? I'm not going through – I know today's opening day, but I'm not going through the box scores like I may have as a kid and saying – Oh boy, you know, the Braves are playing the Nationals today and this has happened. I'm looking at it like baseball is back. So as a baseball fan, I love that. So there's a feeling about today that there are baseball games being played, but it's less newsworthy interest in the sport that we have with today's game. And that's changed. This has not been a, an overnight process. That's no. probably taken 15 to 25 years for that really. To, and I think the social media world has probably expedited it a bit. Because you can see the Judge it's, Homer it's more without, of a yeah. yeah, it's a big conversation and not a, let's talk about the Seattle Mariners bullpen. And let's see what's going on with that. People nationally don't care, well, don't know. It's very specific to market and to team in terms of interest in Major League Baseball. Here's another thing that I personally hate, but I do think that Major League Baseball could benefit from. When I was a kid, I became a big Chicago Bulls fan. Because Michael Jordan played for the Bulls and because they were on WGN. And on my limited cable package, I could watch every Bulls game on WGN. I became a Braves fan as a kid because I could watch every Braves game on TBS. It wasn't one specific player. It was access for the Braves. But with the Bulls, if the Bulls were the Milwaukee Bucks that were available to me and their, you know, Brad Lowhouse was the best player on the team, I'm not a Bucks fan. And I'm not watching. Michael Jordan pulled me in. And guess what happened when Michael Jordan left? I wasn't a Bulls fan anymore. But a lot of people stayed with them and are still yes. Bulls fans today because of Michael Jordan. Shohei Otani needs to create Angels fans. Aaron Judge needs to create Yankees fans. Go down the list of great baseball players right now. They well, need to create fans for those teams. But not, not, this not, happens, not their teams. Baseball fans. Yes. But also... 
there needs to be an attachment where it's not just, I know who that is, and more of, I'm bringing someone into the sport and into a team. It happens in the NBA all the time, right? Someone becomes a Warriors fan well, because of Steph Curry. Yeah, but what happened? What, yes. But Baseball th- is more inherited. It's passed down from generation to generation. Right. So but, you have your team because your grandparents had a team. But with today's world and the way kids consume media, and that's what you're targeting. You know, you're not targeting the 60-year-old that's watched baseball his whole life, that's going to watch his team no matter what. You're targeting the 14-year-old that is currently playing in their local rec league or on a travel ball team. You want to create in them an attachment to baseball but here's, for the rest of their lives. And here's the difference between the eras. You can know who Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are. Name another player on the Angels roster. So if you're tuning in to watch David Justice back in the 90s for the Atlanta Braves, you're going to learn who Fred McGriff, Jeff Blauser, Mark Lemke, Mark Wohlers. You can start naming off these rosters instantly. And the average baseball fan doesn't give a damn about that anymore. Point blank. Yeah. The older audience does. The younger audience is watching the highlight and that's it. And if you're tuning in on that specific reason to the live broadcast, you will learn the players around the game based on the at-bat or based on the pitch. And that's the reason why I feel like we've seen the dip in the sport. It's not the length of the game. I would sit and watch TBS for three and a half hours, four hours in the 90s with the Braves. It didn't matter the opponent. And if you tuned out, you tuned back in Whenever it was the third inning, like I'll check in an hour and a half. It'll be the seventh or the eighth inning, and we'll watch the finish to this game. I'm not doing that anymore. There's no reason to. And Major League Baseball needs to give me, the average fan, a reason to tune in more often than I do. Hutton, I'm, I'm 41. I think you're 39, if I'm correct. 38. Right? 38. Sorry, I didn't mean to add a year to, to your life. I feel like you and I are in the perfect sweet spot that we can swing both ways. And I don't mean swinging in, in the, the context. Wow. Get your mind out of the gutters, people. I, may, I know I wasn't the only one who thought that when I said swinging both ways. But we understand our parents' generation, <laughs> right? Like, we understand 60- to 80-year-olds and how they consume sports yeah. and their teams and their, their, how they go to games and everything else. I can also – I'm close enough to see the 25-year-old that's just starting out with their sports fandom – or it's just now getting ingrained in them and how they're going to practice their fandom of each sport and how they're going to consume the sports and all those things, right? So looking at it from that right-down-the-middle perspective, what baseball does not need to do. This is the hard balance, though, for baseball. I know. And there's no one simple solution. I am, I am empathetic to Major League Baseball for this reason. You have to find a way to not piss off 60- to 80-year-old fan who has spent money with you for their entire lives, who watches, pays for the pay-per-view package yes. to watch their team, buys a cap each year, buys a shirt each year, follows the game, reads the box scores. you got to not piss that person off while bringing in that 25-year-old and getting them into it in a different way. And there's no simple solution to that. I do think these rule changes are a step in the right direction. We'll see if it works. We'll see how it improves the product. Well, but I think this could be a step in the right direction. Uh, a, a rule change that needs to happen is Major League Baseball needs to allow, you know, OutKick with Fox the ability to show a highlight, right? Yeah, you can't like, be, you cannot I mean, be overly if you're holding protective. If you're holding these highlights, uh, I think about Phil Mickelson with the Live Tour. 
he was doing the, the match on TNT and had to pay for the rights to show his highlights from the PGA Tour. It, it, that's, it led to everything. Yeah. He's paying a million dollars for the rights to that. Um, I mean, it's loosen up on the guidelines with the highlights. And we're not talking about... It, it, it's not about, oh, these, these networks are paying big money for these rights. That's true. But I can get on social media and watch it for free. And that's the issue. It is a highlight league. It's a swing and a drive. And I don't care about the score. That's what's missing with Major League Baseball. And let's just look at it from our perspective. How many shows are we going to lead off talking about Major League Baseball compared to the NFL draft and the fact that sports fans can probably name 15 of the 31, it's not 32 this year, 31 first-round draft picks in April's draft for an event where the ball that is used to play the sport is not even visible. That is more ratings-worthy, popular, and known than the starting lineup for any roster across Major League Baseball other than the favorite player that you may be following. And it's why the Washington Commanders, with all of their issues and even a nickname that's not the same as the one that everyone knows them for, right. is going to go probably for $6.5 billion when all said and done. Probably going to go for more than $6 billion because of that power you just discussed. And that is exactly why I, am, I, I, I defend the steroid era. Because the steroid era had individuals and personalities. And baseball's missing that. And it may not be the player's fault. It's, it starts up top and all of the regulation and the handcuffs that are put on the distribution of how I see their sport now. Something maybe that doctors can work on now? Saferoids. Can we, can we find some saferoids? That would bring Hutton all the way back in. We need healthier steroids. That's, that's what the game needs. Well, I don't know if there was healthier, but I mean... They did it. I didn't. The long so balls would be healthier. Yeah. I can't wait to hear Schilling later with you, Chad. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I look forward to having Kurt in studio a little bit later, and we'll, we'll break down everything. When we come back, a great conversation with Chuck Pagano, former Colts head coach, and now he's the coach on Pat McAfee's show on Thursday Night Football, and he lets it – he keeps it honest on the conversation – pretending to be the, uh, the Thursday night football head coach that's the underdog. I love it. And there's plenty to discuss around the league, including Lamar Jackson. The Colts are involved with that and much more. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Glad you're with us. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Hunt and Withrow, across the Outkick Network. If you're listening to this radio partner, we appreciate you as well. Chuck Pagano joins us, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, the Bears, and certainly known for that side of the football. Coach, good to see you, man. Thanks for time. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be with you guys. Big fan of your segments on McAfee. Um, have you, were you apprehensive at first to go like all in with that segment as you would behind the scenes of an NFL locker room? You know, if I thought I was going back into coaching <laughs> and not fully prepared, I might have been. It's as uncensored no, as I mean, it gets. And, hey, I would never expect that from the, the, the vibe I would get uh, from Coach Pagano on the Colts sideline. So I love it, by the way. Well, I appreciate it. It's a ton, ton of fun. Pat's an amazing human being and what he's built uh, that program and that show into. Yeah. And he's such a good, he's such a good human, you know, and him throwing me this retirement lifeline, if you will, yeah. it gives me a, a great uh, uh, football fix and very, very grateful. He's been good to us as well. Yeah, he has. We have a chance to talk with, with uh, Jeff Fisher a lot. And it's it's amazing to see how freeing it can be when you – no, you're probably not going to coach in the NFL again, the way you just mentioned, Coach. Um, wh- what is that feeling like where you now know, I don't have to really be guarded at all when talking about the sport that I love? No, it's it's a little bit liberating. You stand behind that mic for, you know, I was fortunate enough to get six years in Indy uh, talking to the media, and you got to be so guarded and, and careful with, your words and and what comes off the tongue and things like that. So uh, it, it's a, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, I still got a ton of relationships, uh, really good relationships uh, around the league and a bunch of people I care about. So I'm still not going to sit there and, and try to throw anybody in the bus and trash anybody and, and whatever, but it, it's, it's really fun to be on, on that show and, and be able to maybe give the people a different, like your, to your point, a little bit different side of, of ourselves like fish and, and myself, whoever that, man, I never knew this about coach. So that part of it's really cool. This time of year, uh, one of my favorite events to cover was the combine because the coaches and GMs are in a good mood for the most part, because they're not on the hot seat, right? Everybody's in it. It's a fresh season coming up, uh, a new dawn. Everyone's optimistic in the league based on the cap for the most part. How many coaches though are really like, you know what? Uh, I'm here to preach the, you know, we, it's all about the process, but we all know those guys are going to feel heat in November and December. How many guys are like, yeah, I, I trust the process versus we need to win now? Oh, they're, they're all going to say that, right? We're all going to say, you know, we're going to stick with the process. But when you're on it, you know, when it cut, get down to 16 in 2017, like I was sitting in that, that spot and, very hopeful that Andrew was going to come back in, in 17 and and that never came to fr- uh, fruition. So, so, you know, but you're going to still be upbeat. You're still going to uh, be positive. You're still going to, cause you got to bring hope to the entire, you know, to your team, to your locker room, to those players, the guys that are taking the field. Uh, so that part of it is never going to change. These guys are the, the best in the world that are doing it today uh, in that, in that business. There's only 32 of them. Um, they're great, great competitors. Uh, and until they say, hey, look, you, you're gone, uh, they're going to fight, scratch, and claw, and, and they're going to say what they need to say about 
the process and doing this, that, and the other. And yeah, this time of year is is awesome because we're all uh, zero and zero and things are looking brighter. We got the draft coming up with all the parity in the league uh, that gives everybody a chance to to try to make up ground and, and get right back in the conversation. So, uh, yeah, this, this is a fun time of the year, especially at owners meetings. Those were, those were always a blast, you know, you either go from the, it was in the Arizona at the Biltmore this year and then the breakers, you know, they alternate spots every year. So that was always a, a, a great, you know, vacation time and one that didn't have a lot of stress built into it. Yeah, I think uh, Dayball has the the record this year for the earliest beer, which was like 1030 in the morning, uh, cracking his beer that early. Uh, so props to Brian Dayball. Chuck which Pagano surprises no one, by the way, right, that but, it was Brian was, Dayball yeah, that, that well, set that yeah, record. I was surprised it's not Vrabel. Chuck Pagano with us uh, here on Hot Mike. Um, how surprised were you? To learn that Aaron, that Andrew Luck was was retiring, and or could you get a sense of it after the injury that he went through in seventeen? Yeah, I think we were all uh, pretty surprised, you know, when when that came out. But being with Andrew and knowing Andrew and having the relationship that I have with him, and and watching him go through, uh, we talk about process, the process that he had to go through on a day to day just to get ready for practice. It was uh, people that don't know that and don't know the time and the hours that were put in um, just to get ready for practice, to get ready for a day, let alone a, a game on Sunday and the amount of time that he put in uh, away from the training room and practice. But the mental side of it, the amount of film uh, prep that he put in, you know, when he when he said that, I, you know, I can just understand and see why. You know, that was just a such a daunting, daunting task. And it just became um, overwhelming uh, for him, I'm sure, um, to do that. And, you know, having a having a wife and a, and a family and all those kind of things and looking down the road. And Andrew always told me um, that his, you know, dream job, you know, once football was over, was that, you know, he wanted to coach high school football somewhere and, and teach history and. And and Lord knows he's he's on his way to, uh, to doing that probably out in the mountains of Colorado somewhere. But um, I think we were all a little bit surprised. But again, knowing what I know about Andrew and what he went through on the day to day to just get ready for a practice, it, it was uh, it was unbelievable. But unbelievable. What what a special human being. What a special player. That was like these guys getting ready for this draft. Yeah. And uh, and to pick your franchise quarterback. I mean, the stars aligned perfect for me back in 2012, not only to get the the opportunity to be the coach at Indy, but then to have Andrew, you know, Luck sitting there uh, waiting for us to pick. And that was a that was a no brainer. And I, there wasn't any of us that for one instant thought that he wasn't going to be who he was. Yeah, the Panthers moved up in this draft, but I'm not sure there's that guy in this draft. Um, surely they know who they're taking, even though they're acting like they're not. The league certainly prefers them do that. But is there a surefire guy among these four quarterbacks that everyone's talking about in the first round? Yeah, it, it, there's no exact science, as you guys know, uh, to drafting anybody, especially your franchise quarterback. Uh, this group, there's certainly a lot of really, really good players. Um you know, at the top of this draft and at that position, you know, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis, um, the combine performance that, 
you know, uh, Richardson, you know, the numbers that, that he put up, you know, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, what, what he did. And I know he's coming off a knee again, there is no exact science. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, some guys that are, you know, taken late first round, second round, the Brock Purdy's of the world, yeah. Mr. Irrelevant comes in right system, right coach, right team, right winning formula. And you plug a guy in like Brock Purdy, who's obviously got the football IQ, the competitive drive, the intelligence, the toughness, the grit, all those kind of things. And and he goes, you know, undefeated basically as a starter. And then unfortunate what happened in that NFC championship game. But, you know, I, I think there's some really, really good quarterbacks, you know, coming out and especially, you know, those, those few guys that I talked to um, it's a, it's a crapshoot, you know, you got to stay healthy, number one, but, all those guys certainly, certainly, you know, look like they have the arm talent, the accuracy, the intelligence, the competitive drive, the leadership qualities. They all seem like, uh, from what you hear and read, these great human beings, um, going to be great teammates. All those kind of things they've won at the, the highest level. So um, it'll it'll be interesting. I'm I'm certainly glad that I'm not having to make that decision. It did feel almost unfair at the time that when you took over with the Colts. You went from Peyton Manning with that franchise to the year that he was hurting out to get the number one pick and then load up with Andrew Luck after that to have those two franchise guys back-to-back. But, Coach, you are a guy that when you watch your teams play and your defenses play, you took pride in stopping the opposing team's passing attack throughout your career. And we have a lot of coaches on this show, and I feel like most of them – Talk about it like it's sitting in the dentist chair when they're trying to prepare (laughs) for some of these quarterbacks that you would prepare for on a regular basis, Peyton Manning being one of them uh, throughout your career. You seem like you probably enjoyed it a little bit more, trying to find something that might work against these great quarterbacks. Is that true, and was there one quarterback that you particularly liked preparing for because of the challenge it presented? Well, you talked about Peyton and what a nightmare that was, and and Tom Brady. Those those two were, you know, probably, uh, you know, the the top two. And then late in my the last two years, Aaron Rodgers, you know, being in Chicago and 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 going up against him twice a year at Green Bay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounded all uh, you know fun and and all that kind of stuff. Getting ready for hey, we're going up. It's going to be a great challenge. But it was only fun when the game was over and you happened to get out of there with a W. You know, but the rest of the time preparing and putting a game plan together, yeah, it was exciting. It was fun. It was a huge challenge. Those guys were all unbelievable. And just the, the metrics, the the skill set, the arm talent, but the brains uh, on those on those quarterbacks, the, the football IQ, you tried to do so many things just to not show your hand and, and give these guys tells as to, you know, from a disguise standpoint of, of what you were doing and when you were going to pressure them, uh, not given, you know, uh, what type of what type of pressure it was going to be, what side it was going to come from, was it linebacker, was it secondary, any of those things. And they always had the answers to all the tests way before. And we probably overthunk a lot of that stuff, but um, it, it was it was a ton of fun. But but th- those three guys, uh, they were they were they were a nightmare. And that's probably why. Um, you know, I retired in 2020. And you know, if I would have known Aaron was going to get out of the damn, you know, <laughs> NFC North, you know, I might, might have stuck around for another year or two. But 
Yeah, after the last couple whippings I got by Aaron, I said, okay, no, no moss. I've had enough of this. How difficult is it as a coach to know something's going to happen, but it won't happen? I'm talking about Rodgers in New York. Robert Sala's got to be going crazy about this. John Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson is another example. Like, you don't know who your quarterback is, even though you know who you would like it to be, as the offseason and the draft is coming up and you'd like things to be set. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's hard enough to win, guys, when you have one of those dudes in the National Football League. And then it's almost impossible uh, uh, to win when you when you don't. And so uh, going into the offseason, uh, going into, you know, an upcoming draft with that uncertainty, um, that's a that's a nightmare. Because uh, when you have it's, it's sometimes it's like you, you don't appreciate, you know, something, you know, enough sometimes until it's till it's gone. Right. Or it's walking out the door. But I don't think that's the case. You know, obviously, in, in Baltimore, we know John uh, obviously loves Lamar. Everybody in that organization, in that city, um, they love Lamar and those teammates and what he's done for that franchise. They all want to make that happen and they want him back and they want him as as their quarterback. And. It's an unfortunate set of circumstances, the business side of the National Football League, and all these things are going to come to pass at, at some point, and you just hope that, you know, you, you, you find a way to get the thing figured out uh, and get your guy, you know, back in the fold. I know New York's gone all in. Robert Sala's gone all in on this, and um, John will have, you know, in Baltimore a contingency plan, you know, uh, Coach Sala, and and Joe D and, and New York, they'll have a contingency plan, but I know their fingers are crossed and they're putting all their eggs in one basket, so to speak, to to make these things, you know, these two things happen. But um, it doesn't make for easy, e- easy uh, or it makes for more sleepless nights than not, uh, knowing that this thing isn't a done deal at this point. Yeah. And, and tying in what you said about Brock Purdy, you're, you're right about the fit. I mean, it just it was perfect with Shanahan there. Um, Lamar Jackson is would would require maybe even more so the perfect fit for the offense that can be built around him. Baltimore went all in with him when they drafted and they reshaped their offense for him. Is there a team that and, and and again it's it's not just the player, it's salary cap space, picks you have to give up. I mean it's got to be a perfect situation. I know the Colts are interested because they say they're interested. Is that a good spot and if not who makes sense for Lamar Jackson, if not Baltimore? Um, I think the Colts are. I think mostly because, you know, Shane Steichen coming in uh, as the new head coach there, you just look back, you know, to what he did in Philadelphia and what he did with Jalen Hurts and where he brought him, you know, uh, from a you know scheme standpoint a player standpoint fundamentals we all went into the year talking about Jalen Hurts hey can can he be a good thrower we know he's a good athlete he can run he's got dual threat capabilities all those kind of things but can they turn and look at what you know Shane and 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 Nick Sirianni and those guys did uh, in Philadelphia with with Jalen Hurts so um, this this looks like a, a match made in heaven I mean and you and you've got a guy that's a former unanimous MVP in Lamar Jackson uh, going back to 2019, so it's not an unknown with a you know a dual threat guy, say like a you know C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. You know this guy has done it and done it at the highest of levels. Um, so from a scheme standpoint, 
it, it looks like a, a perfect fit. You know, they've got the running back and John Taylor, a couple wide receivers and Pittman and Pierce. They've got some, you know, good looking tight ends on there on that roster. Jelani Woods, um, you know, an offensive line that needs a couple pieces, but some really good players there, a really solid defense. So I know that fan base. I know that organization. I know that city, they would embrace this uh, big time to have a, a, a guy. I know they've gone down the road and it hasn't worked out with the veteran, uh, you know, quarterbacks coming in and, and this, you know, carousel they've been on, you know, one and done, one and done and one and done, you know, Rivers to to Wentz to, to Matt Ryan. But this is a totally different, you're getting a 26-year-old former MVP, um, you know, that. Now you mentioned, you know, the, the massive contract that you're going to have to, you know, come up with. You're talking about, you know, the salary cap. You're talking about draft compensation. What are you going to have to give up? So all those things got to got to line up in order because they're going to do what's best for the organization. That's what makes these things so hard is you got to do what's, you know, you want that player so, so bad, but then you don't want to hamstring and just, you know, because uh, you want to do this for sustained success, right? But you grab one player and it's going to cost you, you know, four or five other players down the road, it's going to hamstring you, you know, cap wise and what you can do roster wise and putting the pieces around him moving forward. Um, you know, that's, that's all part of putting this puzzle together. And, you know, if they can, if they can make that happen, if anybody can make, cause there's, there's some other teams out there that could probably, you know, use a quarterback like, like Lamar and his skill set. So we'll see. Chuck Pagano with us. I don't know if you're musically inclined or not, but I know Jim Irsay is at least, from what I've seen, did he ever bust out the guitar in any meeting or party you went to? Oh, hell yeah. My first, um, <laughs> he's awesome, man. There's not a better owner in, in the world in any sport than, than Jim Irsay. And uh, we got our Chuck Strong Gala 11.0 uh, coming up uh, in April uh, back at the Colts headquarters. He still sponsors that thing and puts that thing on for us. So it's an unbelievable deal. But the first, when I first got hired there, the Super Bowl was in Indy, you know, the Giants versus the Patriots. So we had to go to the game, do the game and all that stuff, watch the game, you know, from Lucas Oil. But before that, um, I can't remember, it's the night before or the day of, he had a concert, you know, over at, uh, at, a, at, a, at a venue and, and got to watch him get up there. And, and, I, and I knew he was a, a lover of, of music and all the memorabilia that he had acquired, you know, to that point. And, uh, but he's up there, you know, just ripping that guitar and, and singing away and going at it. I'm like, man, I, I knew I loved this dude for, for a lot of reasons, but this, this now, this is like the, you know, icing on the cake for me. He's just, it was, it was awesome. You thought, let's see Papa Bear Hallis do that. <laughs> that wouldn't happen, right? <laughs> exactly. Can you see, you know, John Mara? Yeah. You know, or somebody, I was thinking of Wellington him. Mara back in the day, right? You know, playing a, playing a bass guitar you know, somewhere. Can you imagine? It'd be awesome. Uh, which, I mean, that, stories with Ursay, I'm sure, put any story from McAfee to shame. McAfee told the story of he's in London, and he realized he had to go through Heathrow. They were going to check, so he had to take the 30 edibles before he got on the team flight home. Amazing. Yeah. And he was telling it to uh, it, it's, his coach. It, it's definitely uh, – It's awesome. It, it's got to be a unique experience, Coach, when you think about that for your, for your ownership. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you bring up that story about Pat. I mean, the head coach is always last to know, right? You guys know of that, course. right? Yeah. 
So as soon as he told that story, whenever that was, was that a year ago or whatever that was? Don't know. That's like the first time that I knew about, you know, the 30 yeah. edibles. And <laughs> to be honest with you, if I had access after that loss to the Jaguars, yeah. If I had access to 30 edibles, I probably would have ate them too, you know, before that, before that, that flight home. That's that a was long a mi flight. miserable flight. I mean, we got on the plane, we, you know, maybe, you know, Pat had the foresight, but there was no Wi-Fi on the way back. No, I mean, of course not. everybody's pissed off from, from getting beat, losing the game. You're looking at, you're staring down, you know, an eight, nine hour flight into the headwinds, all, all that stuff. And you're miserable. So yeah, I would have definitely dove into some some vitamins at that point. <laughs> no telling what Pat was thinking on that flight home compared to the coach and Shouldn't, staff and the rest of the You players. can't hold out on the coach, too. No. The coach may be the last no, but you also <laughs> can't it. hold out on the coach. That was his mistake. Hey, coach, uh, the Chuck Strong 11.0. Are there, there are ways for those not in Indies to, to support what you're doing? Is there a site? Yeah, you can get on. Um, I don't have it right on the top of my head, but you can go to, you know, IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. Uh, look it up and at .org, something like that, and you can go yep. on their website. We'll tweet and, it and out. And there'll be a uh, there'll be an avenue, there'll be a way that you can click on. There's still you know tables available. There's still single tickets available. Um, it's going to be unbelievable. We've got uh, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, coming in, yeah. uh, sharing the stage to talk about his you know his cancer journey and go through um, Ray Lewis. Uh, you know, we all know who Ray Lewis is. Ray's going to be there. Uh, Reggie Wayne's going to be there. A bunch of Robert Mathis, Adam Vinatieri, a bunch of former athletes, some current, you know, Colts guys. So it, it's going to be unbelievable. We've raised almost 12 million. Um, you know, well, we're a little bit over 12 million uh, to this point. So uh, it's a it's a great event. It's it's tons of fun. It's it's super chill. It's jeans, tennis shoes, sneaks, jerseys. A lot of good food, a lot of good booze, and uh, a lot of laughs, and a bunch of, you know, just generous human beings in that area coming together to raise money for cancer research. Yeah, we were involved in a massive fundraiser for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society a couple of years back. And uh, the cure for cancer will come through the blood cancer research. I, I believe that based on the advancements made, the money you're doing is, is going a long way, as you well know, uh, having survived it. Coach. Thank you, as, as always. Hopefully, we can catch up soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Thank yeah. you. Chuck Pagano there, uh, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, great defensive coordinator, Ravens, Bears, others. Uh, and in need of edibles dude. after, that, dude, yeah. after that loss, too, that yeah. Pat McAfee And now he doesn't care because he's not going to coach again. That's he's right. retired. Yeah. Uh, hit us up on social. You can interact there. Coming up, Live Tour and the Masters and – What's CBS going to do for the live golfers versus what we'll see next week for the PGA Tour professionals? That's next on Hot Mike. Hot Mike rolls on. Kurt Schilling will be here in a little over an hour for the final hour. All things Major League Baseball opening day where the Braves have a two-run lead in the ninth. The Orioles lead by four. There it is. Midway through their opening game against Boston. And the Cubs. 
Chad, the Cubs have a chance to be unbeaten after today. They do. 4 nothing over the Brewers. By the way, the Orioles now lead at 8-2. to two. They lead go. by 6 over the Red Sox in the 5th. Yankees already a winner today. 5 to nothing over the Giants. That game went quick. So, Major League Baseball underway. Opening day. So, uh, on Monday, we'll know the national championship matchup for that night. We will also uh, be previewing all things Final Four tomorrow on the show. And by the time we turn the page to next week, Chad, to April, we will have the Masters at Augusta just around the corner next weekend and Thursday. And CBS, they're going to cover the Live Tour the same way they would cover the PGA professionals. At least that's what McManus says, uh, Sean McManus. We're not going to cover up or hide anything. As I've said often, our job is to cover the golf tournament. We're not going to show any different treatment for the golfers who have played on the Live Tour than any other golfer. If there is a pertinent point or something that we feel should be brought up in our coverage Saturday or Sunday or other coverage throughout the week, we're not going to put our heads in the sand. And for good reason, because there are players on the Live Tour that can certainly compete at Augusta National. And they're allowed to play. I can't wait for the drama of this. And I hope we have a PGA versus Live guy at the top of the leaderboard headed to Sunday. It's going to be the real test if it is Live versus PGA Tour. Sunday, back nine, head-to-head, all square. That's going to be good drama. Guys with green jackets on the Live Tour. Johnson, Reed, Garcia, and others. Coming up, Trey Wallace and John McClain with the latest headlines across the SEC and the NFL. 